Hello, welcome to Desert Island Books, a podcast about reading. I'm your host and resident librarian, Natalie Mason from City of Melbourne Libraries. Joining me is a very special guest who will share their top three all-time favourite books. Carly Findlay is an award-winning writer, speaker and appearance activist. Her first book, a memoir called Say Hello, was recently released to glowing reviews. She's also working on editing Growing Up Disabled in Australia for Black Ink Books. Carly writes on disability and appearance diversity issues for news outlets including the ABC, The Age, Sydney Morning Herald and SBS. She was named as one of Australia's most influential women in the 2014 Australian Financial Review and the Westpac 100 Women of Influence Awards. Carly has appeared on ABC TV's You Can't Ask That and Cyber Hate with Tara Moss and has been a regular on various ABC radio programs. She organised the history-making Access to Fashion, a Melbourne Fashion Week event featuring disabled models. Carly identifies as a proud disabled woman. Welcome to your desert island, Carly. Hi, thank you. Did you bring your own book with you? Uh, I didn't, no. Oh. no. I've been, or it's not even in, it's only in PDF form on my phone. I was okay. Well, we can, um, we can, you can still get Wi-Fi on the desert island. Yes. So we can still read it. We, we can. can still discuss it. Yes. I had a question for you about your book. Mm-hmm. Who did you write it for? Uh, I wrote it for two audiences. So people with ichthyosis, the skin condition I have, disability and facial differences and people without. But then in the end, as I was writing it, I realised it was for little me who didn't have a book like this when I was little. And what was that process like, reflecting back on your childhood and reflecting mm. back on your life and popping it into a kind of modern day version of, of what happened? Yeah, it was it was hard because it was so much work. Like, you know, the, writing a book is a lot, it takes a long time. And also to think about the things that weren't so great and also to write in a way that didn't make me seem like a victim. I was really mindful of that. Um, that's really hard to write about negative things without seeming like a victim. Hmm. You don't feel like a victim, though, I wouldn't imagine. No, I don't feel like a victim, yeah. but I don't want the reader to think that. And actually, um, it's been interesting reading some of the reviews, and I'm sure they come down to a little bit of ableism, so that's disability discrimination, uh, where someone said that uh, the only thing they liked about the book is that they realised that uh, they're, they're um, really lucky to have good skin. Kind of rotten. Mm. That must make you feel awful. Makes me feel rotten. Yeah, but I mean, the the reviews have mostly been great, so that's been amazing. But it's just hard to shake those other ones. Yeah, I'll bet. Mm. I'll bet. Well, it's just you and me on this island. Yes. Yes. Fast friends. We're practically dressed the same today. We chose very similar (laughs) colour schemes, which I'm thrilled about. Um, So, as as your new bestie, would Mm -hmm. you like to talk to me (laughs) about your favourite books? Shall we start with book one? I'll get you to uh, reveal the title and author. Yes, it's Roald Dahl. George's Marvelous Medicine. I'm thrilled you picked this book. <laughs> Let's talk about it. Well, I have only experienced George's Marvelous Medicine in audiobook form yep. when I was probably about seven or eight. So what would that be in about 19... 19- oh, we never reveal our ages. Oh, oh no, no, no. Oh, okay. a, a woman never reveals <laughs> her age. Oh, it's fine. It I... was some time ago. Uh, my face lies about my age. So <laughs> I'm, I'm really happy to say that I'm 37. That still looks about 17. <laughs> Well, we both do. Yeah, we, I we must both do. look about the same age, yeah. right? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my, yeah, my my first ex- or first and only experiences of reading George's Marvelous Medicine was in audio form on a tape. 
um, my auntie would buy me tapes from England. Wow. And uh, I think I had Char- yeah, I had Charlie in the Chocolate Factory as well and yep. Charlie in the Great Glass Elevator, which I probably rated less than Charlie in the Chocolate Factory. Uh, but I loved Charlie in the Chocolate Factory and loved George's Marvelous Medicine because I just loved the the rhymes and the silliness of it. I mean... Listen to this. And suddenly George found himself dancing around the steaming pot, chanting strange words that came into his head out of nowhere. Fiery broth and witch's brew, foamy froth and witch's blue, fume and spume and spoon drift spray, fizzle, swizzle, shout hooray, watch it sloshing, swashing, sploshing, hear it hissing, squishing, spissing, grandma better start to pray. (laughs) Just the sounds of that is so lovely but the message is so sinister it's pretty dark Mm. but I kind of I love that about it though and I think this book was published maybe three years before the witches and I feel Mm. like this was kind of the like he laid the plot here he laid that groundwork for evil women who who sort of pick on children and the revenge that the child gets Mm. in the end uh, I did buy a new audiobook version of this and his other books uh, on eBay a few years ago. And while I haven't listened to it in great detail, I do know that there's like a content warning on it now <laughs> to say, please do not try this at home. Yes, maybe don't make a medicine for your grandma <laughs> using toxic items you find in the garage. But I mean, how how great that these kids were empowered enough to stand up to this sort of abuse. I mean in a way he's addressing the child abuse that was prevalent at that time that children probably were too scared to talk about. Yeah, the Mm. the kids have such gumption in his books. They Mm. really do have Mm. a great sense of self um, and a sense of I'm not going to put up with this. I'm not taking this from you, grumpy old lady. Just beautiful language. The the, um, onomatopoeia of it just sounds, the sounds of the words is just beautiful yeah and the ending do you have any feelings about the ending so grandma decides that after she's had her medicine and she grows taller than the house that she just feels amazing (laughs) yes she feels awfully (laughs) empowered being so huge and then George's dad, Mr. Cranky, mm. um, recreates mm. George's medicine, missing some ingredients, and therefore the chickens don't, uh, which is horrible animal cruelty, but that's a separate podcast. Um, the chickens don't quite react in the same way as Grandma. So George and his dad try to recreate this medicine. Yep. And in the meantime, Grandma gets so cranky that she just grabs, snatches it out of Mr. Cranky's hand and drinks the whole thing. And it makes her shrink to the yes. point where she disappears. Mm. Now, that's a pretty dire ending. Despite her horrific treatment of George, she just disappears. And it's, it's kind of kooky and offbeat. It is magic realism and it is a mm. work of fiction. But um, Mrs. Cranky, Mrs. Cranky um, Grandma's daughter, sort of says, oh, oh, I guess, oh, well, she was a bit of a nuisance anyway. I'm kind of <laughs> glad she's disappeared. <laughs> Did that ending stay with you as a... <laughs> Mm. Uh, yeah, it is really sinister, isn't it? Yeah, and and also a little bit of a, a bit of a letdown. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's... I I think that maybe if, if um, Grandma was reincarnated as a chicken, <laughs> we could rewrite that. <laughs> that would be really really great. Yes. Um. But yeah, she said, oh, oh well, I suppose it's all for the best. Really, she was a bit of a nuisance around the house, wasn't she? Yeah. Mrs. Crank is a bit resigned to the fact that her mother's just disappeared. But George didn't say a word. He felt quite trembly. He knew something tremendous had taken place that morning. Exactly. 
He's on he's on the edge of magic him, himself. Yeah, he said for a few brief moments he had touched with the very tips of his fingers the edge of a magic world. That's, and that's it. the end. The edge of a magic yeah. world. I really do think that this is a prequel to The Witches. Like it's so similar in that sense. And in The Witches they do turn children into mice, is yeah, that right? Yeah. From memory. Animals. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So they and someone gets locked in a painting. That's pretty dark mm. as well. Imagine mm. that. Yeah, I can't. <laughs> but I think what also makes it is Quentin Blake's illustrations. Yes. They're so clever and recognisable and just lovely. Yeah. Yeah. I reckon I have made a magic marvellous medicine one day. <laughs> I don't. I didn't feed it to anyone. But, what did you, know, you put in I don't, it? I don't know. I think it might have been some Listerine and toothpaste. Nothing super poisonous. Yeah, and you didn't drink it? No. 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 I've made some terrible smoothies that I'll call marvellous <laughs> medicine. We're experimenting with different kind of milks and different fruit that shouldn't go together. <laughs> do so, you think that's the equivalent now? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do. Do you think that there's ever been a case of a child who has read the book and acted on Story. Grief. I hope mm. not. <laughs> I hope not. Otherwise, we're missing a few grandmas around the world <laughs> next to Rold. <laughs> um, shall we move on to book two? Yes. All right. So, would you please kindly reveal the title and author? It's Gail Honeyman's Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine. And again, I only experienced this by audiobook. Do you know if Gail read it or was it um, a no, narrator? No, it, it was a narrator yep. and it was just wonderful. Oh, my yeah. gosh, I didn't want it to end. Yeah, I felt the yeah. same way. Yeah. From the very beginning we're popped inside Eleanor Oliphant, the main character's head. Yep. She's our narrator, she's our guide through mm. the book mm. and she's just a delight. Yeah. I loved spending time with her. I love it. I love that she... She didn't see herself as odd. She yeah. seemed... She seed. She saw other people as odd. Yes, and that kind of like real self-confidence, although, you know, to the outer world, self-confidence, but inner, not. Yeah. Yeah. It was just wonderful. And the narration was beautiful and, yeah. It makes the book, doesn't yeah. it, when the audiobook narrator yeah. Is, yeah. has absolutely nailed that voice. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I really, really liked the friendship romance between her and Raymond. Yes. You know, such, he was such a good guy and... Uh, I don't. You know how there's the idea that women have to fix men. There was none of that. I mean, she saw his sort of what she called flaws or what she thought as flaws, but you know, she didn't want to fix them. That's was how he was. Yeah. Because that was how she was. But it was a very dark book as well. Yeah. There's a lot of. Well, certainly there's a lot of trauma mm. that Eleanor carries with her that she hasn't dealt with from mm. her childhood mm. and her adulthood too. Mm. Um, so there's a lot going on for her and there is there is quite a, um, a sense of darkness. But the, I also felt that she was, I mean, her, her the title, Eleanor Oliphant, is completely fine. That was her, anytime anyone asked her how she was, she was absolutely fine, I'm mm. completely fine. Mm. So that, there's that kind of facade. But as, as you say, she saw everyone else as quite odd and I found that sort of warm and endearing about mm. her. Mm. It reminded me, because it's nothing at all like Bridget Jones, mm. just that strong female character who's a bit odd, doesn't quite fit in, feels a little lonely and yet has such a strong sense of self mm. and such a strong sense of her own identity. But I also think she she had very little experience with interacting with others yes. or the social norms. Like when she went to stalk her 
her favourite singer. Yes, her new husband, her, her future husband. husband. That's and, the one. Um, you know, she just found who he was based on a – where he was, rather, based on a photo that he posted online. And Yeah. 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 Mm. And he yeah. turned out to be not husband material. Not husband material, no, and then it led to a very dark period for her. Yeah, she absolutely spiraled out yeah. after that. Yeah. Um, I think that that, like – that I didn't. That made me think about my fandom. Like I'm a real big fan, and I thought about the distance that I sometimes have to take, or feel like I have to take between me and my idol. Not that I've ever done that, although I have waited outside Savage Gardens hotel room when I was. Oh, not hotel room, hotel. Yeah. Don't know why we didn't yeah. get to the room. No. Um, hotel. <laughs> <laughs> when I was 15, but um, I really recognise that there's this different power imbalance between fan and idol, and I think. Eleanor showed that. Yeah, she did, didn't yeah. she? Yeah. I've experienced that too. Who with? Oh, gosh, where do I start? Mm. Um, well, <laughs> God, this is truly embarrassing. Thank you for asking me, Carly. No one <laughs> asks me questions, so I'm thrilled. Um, well, it was a band in, well, they were called Caligula. Oh, and yeah, they played that. at the Virgin Megastore oh. on Burke Street. Right. And I was there in my school uniform after school. God, that's a memory I've really squashed now. That was where HMV was. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, that's mm. exactly right. And then the Sharp. No, I don't remember that. So they just wore black and white, really high white <laughs> skivvies. And it was a it was a guitarist, a double bass player and a drummer. So right. a nice, nice combination of instruments. And they played on the St Kilda Foreshore mm. uh, for like a festival at some point. Mm-hmm. And again, still in high school. This is thoroughly embarrassing. Who else was I mad? At? Well, mad, I was mad over bands I couldn't get anywhere near. Mm. Right? Like Indecent Obsession and um, and Debbie Gibson. This is deep into my... Shall we... Um, <laughs> Shall we move on? I was, well, I think we could talk about Eleanor some more. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Am I blushing? Maybe. Um, I, okay, so these are some of the reviews about Eleanor which kind of triggered me to, to think... Di- not think differently but sort of think of, and feel more warmly. I wonder if these trigger anything for you. Mm-hmm. Um one of the most unusual and thought-provoking heroines of recent contemporary fiction. Mm. Beautiful. Mm. Um, an uncommonly intelligent and sympathetic novel. Mm. Isn't that a beautiful way of yeah. describing? I think it was very sympathetic, but yeah. without pitying either. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I think there's been a spate of books about people... Um, on the spectrum Mm -hmm. and you either read the book from their perspective because it's Mm. written that way or you read the book from the perspective of people around them and Mm. there is a kind of, it pulls at those heartstrings and there is that sort of empathy Mm. and, um, you know, which can lead to pity but I never felt that way about Mm -hmm. Eleanor. Yeah. I felt that I know people like her. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like I've behaved like her in some (laughs) moments of my life. Um, but she does, she is positive throughout everything that she mm. has experienced and continues to experience through the book and is quite open to transformation mm. without without sort of deciding she's going to get fit or, or mm. change like her job or go back to school. she went to get some new clothes. That's it. And, it, you know, it was a big ordeal for her but it just happened because she'd wear the same things every day That's she right. was really comfortable with that. That's right. And a uniform made it easy for her yep. to think about, to, to not think about it. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, she embraced uh, She embraced lots of things. Mm. She was quite open, wasn't she? Mm. She did drink a lot, though. She did drink a lot and then she decided she didn't want to anymore. Mm. And, again, this is part of that transformation without, like, 
without that kind of society telling her you're too fat, you're too tall, you don't mm. look right, you don't dress for your age, all that stuff that mm. society constantly bombards us with and then we feel almost guilted into making transformations in our lives. Mm. I don't think her transformation was spurred on by any of that. Mm. It was like a s- strong sense of herself thinking, okay, well, I need to do something different because I'm not getting, I'm not feeling great. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I'd love to hang out yeah. with her. And do you think that relationship between her and Raymond was, you mentioned friendship slash romance. Do you know. have any thoughts about what happened after we shut the last page? Well, I hope that it was a romance, but I don't I don't think she needs a romance to be a better person or a more fulfilled life. I think it was I, clever that it wasn't written as a yeah. romance. Yeah, me too, because so much of that is like the man saves the woman and she didn't need saving. No. She had herself. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I kind of like the idea that maybe they just continued to be really good work buddies and yeah. he was a really good support for her. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's sort of clever and and it's almost like we're grateful that it wasn't written as a romance because so much mm-hmm. is. I'd like a sequel though, just to find out what happens right <laughs> with um, Raymond. I will Eleanor. sign that petition if yeah, you want to start think, it. I'll there be might f- already be one. <laughs> <laughs> we could, we could uh, let's ask Gail. Let's, <laughs> let's find her. I wonder what she's writing next. She's writing something because that's a mm. 2017, so there's got to be a new, yeah. a new one out Yeah, soon. yeah. All right, so we have a deep and abiding love for Eleanor, which goes on and on. Yes. Um, but without forgetting her entirely, shall we move on to book three? Could you reveal the title and author? Yes, it's Lee Sales, Any Ordinary Day. Marvellous choice. Marvelous I think choice. that was my favourite book of last year. Mm. Just adored it. Um, it's a non-fiction book. I really like non-fiction books. It wasn't really a memoir, but it had some of Lee in there. Yeah. Uh, and it was really great stories from people whose lives had been changed remarkably. From single incidents mm. that were unexpected. Mm. Um, that kind of, that title goes on any ordinary day, blindsides, resilience, and what happens after the worst day of your life. Yeah. So it wasn't necessarily what happened on the worst day of your life. The exploration that Lee kind of went mm. into with each of these people was, and then what did you do? Yeah. And what happened the next How day? How did people react? Yeah. And I thought it was a, I think it's a really good um, resource on grief and managing tragedy um, that might not necessarily be your tragedy. You yep. know, if, if you've had a friend that experiences such change, I think it would be a really good book to read or to give. Um, I also think that it's a really um, warm, kind book as well. Um, And I think my favourite thing is being very interested in media, in journalism um, and being a writer myself. I really liked how she reflected on her own writing, her own journalism. She Um, she does that quite a bit. You know, failings, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Louisa Hope was in the siege at at Martin Place in the Lint Cafe and and she and her mum were survivors and she talked about that. And um, I also really liked, there was a really amazing bit in the book where um, Walter Mikak said that he reached out to another survivor of who had lost his family and he didn't reach out. So Walter Mikak, um, his family were killed in the Port Arthur Massacre in 1996 and um, he reached out to uh, a man whose family, I think they were killed in a house fire. Now I can't remember. Are no, you right. The chef. 
Yes. The sh- yeah. Yeah. I, so his name eludes me. Uh, yeah, but. I can't remember. I'm sorry, but he reached out to this this man who had lost his wife and children, and he didn't do it directly. He just did it through signing up to the mailing list on his website. And I thought, wow, like he just said, you know, that was a gentle. I'm here if you need. That was really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. There is a there is a sense of community sometimes through tragedy where mm-hmm. people who wouldn't otherwise um, have come together or might not have crossed paths yep. Yep. can and find comfort and solace in the fact that they're not alone. Mm. Yeah. And I think also it shows just how much um, love is surrounded with death. Like, um, you know, you, when someone's dying, you... You think of all the good times you've had and people come together to celebrate a life in whatever way. It might be before they've died or after. Um, It was really interesting reading about the woman that worked at the coroner's court. Yes. Yeah, and how they prepare people to view the body and they tell people just what's happening or what's behind a curtain or a door. And that was really, really interesting. It was all done with such compassion. Yeah, Mm. and a a great deal of comfort too. It's Mm. not... It's um, it's something that they see through from the beginning to the end, that whole process, mm. and they really mm. kind of carry people through that. Yeah, yeah. I really, really enjoyed it. I think it's a really useful, um, compassionate book. Mm. Um, I think one of the things that really struck me, I'm going to find it to read um, now. I've got it on my Kindle um, because I can't find the page in the book. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were talking about how easy it is to search text yes. when you've got the electronic <laughs> version of a book. So yes. there are benefits to ebooks. Absolutely. Um, so Lee talks about her experience in making some youthful mistakes, um, in her journalism career early on. But then she said, um, I'd like to put both these episodes down to youthful inexperience, but sadly I can identify similar mistakes when I was a senior, senior reporter. In 2005, more than a decade later, I was based, so I was the ABC's US correspondent based in Washington, DC. I was sent to New Orleans when an epic hurricane hit America's southern coast line. Hurricane Katrina basically wiped New Orleans off the map. So she went on to talk about how the city was in a state of turmoil and there was evacuations and um, there was no food and running water and no way to communicate with their families and they were angry. She said they were angry, traumatised and in some cases hostile. And she went on to say, I was at the airport looking for a story for ABC Radio's AM program. I had a couple of hours to find something to report and transmit to Australia. One of the people I interviewed was an elderly African-American woman who was in tears and probably shock. She didn't know where several of her family members were and she listed them by name. She had four or five grandchildren with her, the eldest who looked about 10. I knew I'd struck journalistic gold. She was emotional and she had a compelling story to tell. I asked question after question to prompt her to keep talking. The longer we went on, the more emotional she became. I was just thinking one more question, just one more question. I just have to keep her going a little bit longer to have enough for a story. Finally, in a soft voice, the 10-year-old said, that's enough. I pretended not to hear him and asked another question. That's enough, he said more boldly. I then wrapped it up. To this day, it mortifies me that it took a 10-year-old boy to tell me when enough was enough twice. The thing is, if you rate, if you ask me where I'd rank myself in the on a scale of journalists where one is a psychopath and 10 is a decent person trying to do the right thing, I'd give myself a 10. Um, And then she said, um, 
I would say you're, you'd be lucky if I was a journalist to knock on your door. Yet I've just laid bare some examples that suggest I can be mercenary and reptilian as anyone. Um, yeah. It's, it's, and, and, and she also said she doesn't often talk to her colleagues about this issue, these issues. So I thought that was a really um, mature, honest thing to do, to reflect on when she hasn't been a great journalist. So. And what a thing to reveal and to commit mm. to paper. Mm. Um, and yet we love Lee. Yeah. We love There's her. So I much love her to love. Chat ten looks three. I just saw a really funny Instagram this morning that she's hosting the budget and um, the chat ten looks three page on Instagram posted that she's doing like the Highland fling and then tonight she's hosting the budget. <laughs> she's very versatile. She's very funny and um, warm. And I also liked how, um, and I've written a lot about this in my book and, and elsewhere that she has a son who I'm not sure if he de- identifies as disabled or she identifies him as disabled, but he has medical issues and um, she's touched on those but hasn't breached his, you know, confidentiality, yes. his dignity, and I really think that's really great that she's letting him tell his her, his story. Yeah, when yeah. the time is right for him to do so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That hmm. Chat 10 Look 3 podcast, OMG. It's so great. Isn't it the best? It's the best. So good. I had Annabelle um, Crab launch my book in uh, Sydney and it just felt like we were on Chat 10 Look 3. She brought me some baked goods and we had a laugh. We had lots of wine on stage actually. It's quite funny. We oh. both turned up with a bottle of yes. wine. So. <laughs> it's good. Uh, we didn't drink the whole two bottles, but, yeah, it was fun. It's none of our business if you do. <laughs> you keep that to yourself. You do not have to reveal that. Um, thinking of modern day fandom, because yeah. I just revealed some thoroughly embarrassing mm. examples earlier, which I'm quite still unbelievably, <laughs> unbelievable. I can't believe I did that. But I'm thinking Lee Sales and Annabelle Crabb would be two, like, huge people to meet. Yeah, I met them outside the um, the Chat 10 Looks 3 live thing last year. I got, got a photo there, which was lovely. But Annabelle and I have worked together a few times now. Oh, really? And uh, the first time we met, this is so embarrassing, the first time we met was at a conference that we both spoke at. She was an MC and I was a speaker. And... <laughs> She uh, she was in the lift as I was getting in the lift and I was in the lift because I'd forgotten my phone so I couldn't take a, selfie, uh, a photo of food. I couldn't take a photo <laughs> of the, the food at, at breakfast. So I was going up to get my phone and she says, hi, Carly, I'm Annabelle Crabbe. And I said, hi, um, I'm Carly. I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. I forgot my phone, so we can't have a selfie. <laughs> that was the first thing I said to her, assuming that she'd want a selfie with me. Of course she would. <laughs> of course she would. And I was just mortified. Like, who says that? And then we like, we sat at the same table um, after that, and I said, I'm really sorry. That was hideously embarrassing. And then we've done some TV stuff together, and, um, yeah, she's great. I was pretty excited to have her launch my book. And also... Um, I'm a really big fan of Kevin Mitchell, who's Bob Evans, yes. and he launched my book in Melbourne and he sang at my wedding. So that was very nice. Um, yeah, it's nice. The beautiful nice moments. Come when, full circle. Yeah, when you meet people that you admire and they don't disappoint you and they don't let you down. They're yeah. thoroughly, they're the best versions of themselves that you imagined that they would yes, be. Yes, because, you know, you, there's, there's, there has been some times where I've gone to see someone, a comedian or a musician, and I've said, I really love your work and... The response just hasn't been very gracious at all. Mm. I find that now I'm getting some fans, I guess. I feel the real need to give them the time of day or Mm. tell them not to apologise for coming up because there's a lot of that. Oh, I don't want to disturb you or I'm really sorry to say, but can I just talk to you for a minute? And I said, yeah, that's no problem. It's fine. Yeah. 
So wow, that's being on the other side now. Yeah, I know it's nice. Yeah, it's lovely. Yeah. Um, I have a final question for you. Yes. I'd like to know what you're reading at the moment. Oh, Just for Clicks is by Cara McDowell and it is about uh, the impact of mummy blogging on children who have been blogged about for their whole life and it's a fiction book but it is very much like I imagine children will feel when their parents put everything about them on the internet and I've written a lot about that um, as I said before and um, just the other day I saw Apple Martin, Gwyneth Paltrow's daughter has come out and said don't put a photo of me on the internet. Uh, so that that's really fun. I, I really um, am enjoying that. So YA book. I'm also trying to listen to at night. I'm also trying to listen to Gingerbread by Robin Oyeyemi. Oh, yeah. Oyeyemi. 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 Anyway, yeah. I, I, I can't. You know, I listen to audiobooks and it does. Sometimes it takes me a while to get in, like it has to grab me from the first thing. Yeah. But then I keep falling asleep and I just can't quite pick it up. I have to persevere. That's hard when you lose that thread. Mm. And that's a work of fiction as well. So that's mm-hmm. going to go in all sorts of directions you're not expecting. Mm. Mm. Um, it is yeah. hard to lose the thread. And, and you know, there, there was another book I read last last week where it was um oh, no, I can't even remember what it was called it's just like some you know 99 cent one on Amazon or something and it was um the the narration was so great and it was very funny but then I was in the plane and I didn't have the thing on my the narrated version on my iPad but I have it on my phone and so it wasn't synced properly and I couldn't like I couldn't listen to the narration at that time, but it wasn't as funny when I was reading the text because I think the narration really made it. It totally does. Yes, yeah. I've done so. that where, well, with Michelle Obama's um, mm-hmm. biography, yes. becoming autobiography rather. Um, yeah. I had that on audiobook mm-hmm. and I was zipping through it, loved yeah. it. Yeah, had to return it because my time was up, and it's eighteen hours, so I didn't get oh through. My gosh. Uh, I got the physical copy from the library. Mm. I must have read maybe three chapters and I was like, oh, there's other stuff I could read in the yeah, meantime. Yeah, yeah. And now I'm waiting for the audiobook to come back. I think the audio, mm. particularly because Michelle Obama is Narrates in my headphones, it, yeah. she's like, dear Natalie, here's the next chapter of my life. I feel like mm. very connected to the story when she's reading it. But yeah. when I'm reading it, I feel a bit disconnected yeah. somehow. I just bought that actually, but I just recorded my audiobook and it's out now apparently. Oh, my gosh. Uh, of course, the author's the last to know, but two people yesterday <laughs> let me know that it's on Amazon and probably Belinda and Borrow Box. I don't know. That's amazing. But uh, it took a long time last month and I'm I, yeah it was it was hard it's hard doing an audio book yeah what's that process like it's like hard to keep the tempo and yep. um you know there's bits that I want to sound excited about and I'm not or that I have to sound down about and you know the guys in the next room like we've got here it's just weird it's not just him listening yeah you it's know, not just him right? but you know what I mean like it was just a very close yes. environment and and it's also very long like um I recorded it on a Thursday and then Saturday and Sunday so I didn't have a weekend yeah so yeah it's just yeah, it's done now. So that's it's good. kind of amazing when you write books. You do you ever read bits aloud to just see how it sounds to you? Or are you no, <laughs> not until I did that. Right? But I do wish that I had the chance to um, do the audiobook before it went to print because I noticed some small. Did you? Yeah, so I have to give them to the editor to change. So everything's yeah. different when you read it aloud. Mm, mm. Everything's different. Even just like the flow or a comma shouldn't be there or that's right. Or um like I might have added a diff- you know like the word part I might have added party or something, you know, 
a Y to that to make it yeah. party. And then your spell check doesn't pick it up yeah. because it's party spelled correctly. Yeah, 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 exactly. So it's. Um, I think our eyes are forgiving sometimes when we're reading, I but our so. ears not so much. And also, uh, I had someone that's changed uh, changed their name due to um, gender identity, and so I think that was a really nice moment for me to. Um, read that new name out and reaffirm that they're now called that name. Yes. Um, and then I messaged them saying, oh, in the print book, your name is your previous name and now it's um, this name. I've been so, able to do that for you. Yeah. That so for that's you. That's nice. lovely. And I said, when we do a reprint, I'll make sure your name's changed. So, yeah. That's lovely. Yeah. Carly, thank you for hanging out with me on your island. No problem. I, I just have to say, though, I do feel like I need my own book on my island as well. Not for you, but in case anyone else is on this island who asks, why are you sunburnt? And I can give them the book and say, yeah, I've written this. Yeah. Yeah. Read it, learn something yeah. and say hello. Yeah. I've had a lot of people email me or message me going, hey, can you teach me about this? I said, no, I don't have time. I've written a book. You can buy it here. <laughs> yeah. if, and if you have more questions, there are plenty of resources. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. there's lots of resources in the book as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, thank you for writing it. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the island. Oh, it's my fun. pleasure. Um, I think those books will see us through. I, I really want to go and listen to Eleanor Oliphant again and George's Marvelous Medicine. And Lee Sales reads Annie oh, does she? Day. Oh, yeah. Ooh, I don't have the audio. I just have the thing. But I did power through that in the text format. It was so good. I couldn't put it down. Well, next, if you need to reread it or revisit parts of it, having Lee read it to you is just yeah. a treat. It's such a treat. I bet. Oh, it's lovely. It's, it, it is lovely when the, the author reads it. But I was, I, I've had a lot of demand for the audiobook, so I hope people aren't disappointed. <laughs> I doubt it very much. I think I'll start with the audiobook and then I'll read the physical. Great. I did Lee the other way around, but I will do your audio Excellent. first. I'm looking Thank forward you. to it. Thank you so much for joining me Thank on you. your desert island, Carly. You can read this episode's show notes, including a list of all the books we discussed on our Goodreads page. And you can find that on our website at www.melbournelibraryservice.com.au. Just look for the read page. I'd also love to hear about your desert island books. What are you reading? Tweet at Melbourne Library with the hashtag Desert Island Books. You can download previous Desert Island Books episodes in your favourite podcast app or at SoundCloud or iTunes. Simply search for Melbourne Library Service. Happy reading! Thank you.